We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. And I should probably say it's not just Notre Dame fans, as we've learned this summer, Ryan. So welcome, Notre Dame fans, fans of all college football, Ohio State fans, whoever that wants to talk real football. We are here to put our finishing touches, at least for this part of our Irish Breakdown show, on the Notre Dame-Ohio State, number five Notre Dame, number two Ohio State. Epic, epic matchup, Ryan. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to kind of talk about what the big picture aspects of this game. And then tomorrow, and then we'll talk about what our predictions are for tomorrow. So Ryan and I had a similar prediction for this game. We had three of our staff members picked one team, two of our staff members picked another team. So we'll go over all of those predictions today. And then we're also going to have some fun with some predictions of some other big games this weekend, right? I mean, obviously our focus has been on Notre Dame and, and, Ohio State, but there's some other huge games this weekend. Georgia hosts Oregon, well, hosts Oregon, play Oregon. I think it's at Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. that's a neutral site game that's right down the street from Athens. You've got Utah travels to Florida in a big game, which I think is a bigger game than maybe some people think. I don't think Flor- Florida's not ranked right now. I'm a big believer in Billy Napier. This is a team that was in the SEC championship game two years ago in the Orange Bowl three years ago. They didn't just all of a sudden become a team with no talent. So this is a kind of game where if Utah can win by the end of the year, this win may look a whole lot bigger than it maybe looks right now. And if Florida can win, obviously it's a great start for Billy Napier. We're going to preview all of that, give you our score predictions for that. And then Cincinnati-Arkansas It's another very fascinating game this weekend. It's going to tell us a lot about two teams that are trying to take rises as one, and the other one's trying to stay at the top. So we'll talk about that as well. So let's uh, let's begin, Ryan, with the main attraction, and not yep. just the main attraction nationally, but of course for our, our show, and that is Notre Dame-Ohio State. You know, we've broken it down, Ryan. We've talked matchups. We've talked you know, statistical analysis. We've talked all the different aspects of it. I want to have a little bit of a big picture com- conversation today. Yep. And and we've tried to stick to the X's and O's and the analysis and all that this week. But the reality is when you look at this game, Ryan, this is a huge game for Notre Dame beyond just 
the 2022 season. This is a big mm-hmm. game for Notre Dame one way or the other, right? And so when I look at it, it's, what, it's just one of those things, Ryan, where if you win, it's seismic. If you lose, then we get into, well, how much did you lose by? And the, the answer to that is going to determine just the perception of Notre Dame. So all of the momentum that has been built this offseason by Marcus Freeman either skyrockets with a win, continues to slowly grow with a competitive loss, and gets undercut with a, a big a big loss. So all of those things are on the table, and that's just that. At, and, that and, of course, there's college football playoff you know, opportunities and resume building on the line here. This is just a, a, you try not to put too much into game one, but when it's number five versus number two, it's hard not to, to make it, to realize that this is a a big, big moment. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, and they're most likely the best team you're going to play in the regular season. And they're also a Midwest power, right? And they have been the Midwest power. So, I mean, to your point, Brian, this isn't just a great football game with the potential for a team maybe to make a championship run, you know, that type of, or both teams to potentially make a championship run. It's also, it impacts recruiting. It impacts just kind of the, the reputation in the Midwest. It impacts everything. And it impacts the trajectory of this program. Because like you said, Marcus Freeman has done a great job in his staff this offseason to take a lot of the momentum and to continue it throughout the recruiting and excitement building from fans' perspective and media outlets. I mean, there's been a lot of excitement around Notre Dame football. And he has a chance to not only continue that momentum, but, uh, I mean, to, to skyrocket it. Right. I mean, like, it's it's massive. I mean, I don't think you can undersell how important this game is just from a perception standpoint for Notre Dame whether they win by one or by a hundred a win would go so far to saying like hey man 
this plan is real. Like this is difference, right? Like this is a step in the absolute positive direction. So this game can go, you know, a couple different ways, obviously. If if Notre Dame is does lose or loses handedly, then it's going to kind of be monikered as, and it's the same old type of Notre Dame, right? Like it's the same, you're not going to get out of that stigma. The only way to break out of that, that, that little, that little, um, well, that's the world we live in yeah. right now, right, Ryan? I mean, that's yeah. the world that Brian Kelly created, and that's that's what Marcus Freeman was hired to change, right? And and I and I get where you're kind of coming from with just trying to find the way, right way to say it. But look, there there's there's been this battle. Look, this this battle didn't happen when Brian Kelly left. This yeah. is a battle that we've been ra- waging at Irish Breakdown for years. Oh, he's gone fifty four nine, and oh, they've done this, and oh, they've made two playoff appearances, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, they weren't competitive on any of those big stages they were on. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 built up that great record against bad teams. You know, Brian Kelly went 54-9 in the last five years because 54 and 10 is their overall record. I'm not blaming him for the Oklahoma State loss, although somebody was like, well, Brian Kelly never would have blown a 28-7 lead in the Fiesta Bowl. Said, well, Brian Kelly never would have had a 28-7 lead in the Fiesta Bowl, right, first of all. Uh, but number two, it, it's, you know, 54-9. They went 10-9 against teams that finished in the top 25. That means they went 44-0 against teams that were not ranked. You don't you don't get your your career built on teams that are not ranked. You get your your career built on teams that are ranked. And I think they had what one in five against teams that finished in the top ten. And that's the that's the, the what we're trying to see changed here, right? That that's why we were hard on Brian Kelly. But that's the standard that Marcus Freeman is being held to, too, right? And it's like, look, the expectation is, is that you need to start not only winning the games you're supposed to win, but maybe win some of these games that you're not supposed to win. Right. And you have opportunities to do it, and you're going this year especially. You're gonna have several opportunities to do it. And so, what this game is, it's a, it's a, it's a measuring stick for Notre Dame. Where are you? Can you really make all those changes that, that like, because like, let, let's be okay. Let's let's just get to the, the nitty gritty of this, right? Brian Kelly, this, that, and the other thing, and this is the argument I've had for years. Hey, hey, look, um, uh, here, here's where we're at. And, and this is the record and that's, I don't want to rehash all that kind of stuff, but here's the two things I'll point to in 12 years, Brian Kelly went 19 and 29 against teams that finished in the top 25. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he got better in his last five years, 10 and nine compared to 19. And you know, so that was what nine and 20. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you're still borderline 500. One three and sixteen for his career against top ten teams, and the thing is, is two of those three wins came in the twelve and thirteen seasons. So from fourteen to twenty one, there was one win over a team that finished the season ranked in the top ten. There's only two against teams that were ranked in the top ten when they played. So like if you if you if you look at the numbers and say, well, what about top ten teams when they played? Well, that's it's four wins. Because mm-hmm. Michigan State in 2013 and Stanford in 2012 were not ranked in the top 10 when they played. Stanford was like 12th or 15th when Notre Dame beat them in 2012. And then Michigan State, who they beat in 2013, who finished 13-1 and one and ranked third, was unranked. So you take them out, and then you add Stanford 2018. You add Michigan State in 2012, who finished 7-6. and six. And then there was one other game in there. I'm trying to remember what was the other top 10 game that they had that they beat a team that was ranked, but they won four games since 2010 against teams that were ranked in the, Oh, uh, Oklahoma in 2012 mm. uh, was ranked in the top 10 at the time, fell mm. out, but still they fell out because they lost Notre Dame. I mean, you know, I mean, if they had a win over Notre Dame and still only lost two games, they're a top 10 team. So 
it's not fair to just completely dismiss it like it doesn't matter. But so it's four wins in 12 years over top 10 teams. That's the stigma. We've said this all week, right, Ryan? Like, hey, here's the deal. If you if you don't if you <laughs> I just saw what you were laughing at. If yeah. you don't know, I mean, if you if you don't like the fact that Notre Dame is disrespected, 17 and a half point underdog, and 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 you know all these other type of things, but it's we've it's earned. You've earned this reputation because you have consistently been defeated and oftentimes defeated convincingly in these games. And yes, there's been the occasional Florida State 2014 and the occasional, you know, win over Clemson and all that they were lacking. And the two Georgia games are competitive. I'll give you that. But mixed around that has been a bunch of Miamis and Michigans and from 2019. You've had the postseason games. You've had the Arizona State debacle of 2014. They Whoa. were a top 10 team. I, 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 try, I tried to keep that game out of my memory. Brian. Right. Thank you very much for you know, but, that up. But you're, you're down 34 to three at one point. You come all the way back, make it 34 31. You still end up losing 55 30. I mean, you have so many of those games. It's like that's why this exists. So the question, Ryan, and this is the thing that we're going to find out in 2022 is how quickly can that get changed? How quickly can that losing culture get changed? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to find out. Can it get changed in one off season? Does it require a couple close losses before you finally kick that door down? Those are the answers we don't know. And that's what makes this game big because Marcus Freeman and his staff out of the gate get tested for, okay, where are you? Right. It's kind of like Ohio state is, is what, you know, Mike Elko said about the Notre Dame offensive line in 2017, they're human lie detectors. If you're not where you need to be as a program, if your talent level isn't where it needs to be, if your if your preparation, your coaching isn't where where it needs to be, you're going to find out in this opener. And if it is where it needs to be, then you're going to find that out too. And I think that's the that's what's at stake. Is it's it's obviously there's all the things at stake, but you're going to learn a lot about yourself, and then say, okay, well, we've got three weeks to get ready for North Carolina and get these things fixed. We got five weeks to get ready for BYU. We've got two months to get ready for Clemson, and so figure out what where you come up short what can you fix now what needs to be fixed on the recruiting trail and then roll and i that's what i love about this this game is it it gives you a chance to to really get rolling well i'm going to give brian kelly some credit for one second brian right we talked about the the good that he did have is that he got him back to a level where you have to win double digit games every single year for it to be considered close to a success right so that's the fact that's why it, this first game can be a barometer in my opinion right because if Marcus Freeman walked into a a cluster like I mean you can't expect this first game to be an answer to if they have arrived or close to closing the gap or they have eliminated the gap or whatever the the mantra will be after this game but the fact that Notre Dame is in a pretty good spot when Marcus Freeman took over that's the reason that you can kind of do a measuring stick and a barometer. Right. Like it's a perceived true test. to be in a good spot is what I would say. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. To agree, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I would just say though, I mean, they, they do have, there is a level that is expected at Notre Dame over the last couple of years, obviously since the mm-hmm. four and an eight, four and eight debacle, you know, right. since then Notre Dame has had regular success, at least from a regular season perspective for who they play football against. Right. So I think that, you are measuring yourself against 
one of the blue bloods, one of the teams that has been consistently a good football team, a team that has had multiple championships in the last 20 years. Like this is a good barometer and a measuring stick. And then you add in the regional aspect of everything that Notre Dame again is a Midwest team playing against another Midwest power. And that is a great measuring stick. So I think it's a tremendous opportunity for all those things, all those factors to, to, kind of be considered here because mm-hmm. Marcus Freeman did walk into an okay situation. Like it wasn't yeah. a bad situation. It wasn't like a he, dumpster fire. I'm not know? saying, yeah, it's not like what, yes, yeah. I agree. But, yeah. but what, what I would say is, is I think as we've argued in the past that, that the situation was not as strong as people made it out to be not so much because the talent was lacking, but because the culture was lacking. And I think that's the thing that we have to find out is, is Notre Dame good enough to just expect them to go out and consistently beat Ohio state and Alabama and, and teams like that. No, it's not, not there yeah. yet. Sure. But is it good enough to where you can go out in and, and games where I think you do have matchup advantages? Like I think they have against Ohio State. I think Notre Dame has more matchup advantages against Ohio State right now than they do against Alabama, for mm-hmm. example. Sure. But I would then argue that I think actually Ohio State matches up better against Alabama than they do Notre Dame in some areas. I mean, that's just kind of how football works, right? And so – that that's the thing for me is that the talent gap is not such, and there's one exception, and I'll say that in a second. The talent is not as such that that you should be seeing what we have seen in these big games in the past. That's my point. And like you know, look, Oregon can go into Columbus and beat them. Michigan can do what they did to them, but yet Notre Dame shouldn't be expected to be within three touchdowns, barely within three touchdowns. That's my thing. And and I get right. why the, the, the odds are what they are, because that's about the only way they can get people to bet on. I mean, if the spread was seven points, no one's betting on Notre Dame except the diehard Notre Dame fans. N- nobody. No. No. And that's why the spread is what it is. It's not disrespect. It's about trying to get people to bet on both on both sides. And because of Notre Dame's track record in these games, that is why it is what it is. So that's the culture. That's the environment. That's the perception that Marcus Freeman has to change. And we're going to find out how quickly he can or cannot change it and just where they are. Because I will say the only time that I felt in the last I mean, really 10 years, really since since the, the, since the, the uh, Orange Bowl, basically in 2012, there's only been one, two games that I can think of where I just felt like Notre Dame was clearly the far inferior team talent wise Mm -hmm. 2014 usc partly because notre dame had so many injured players in that game and you didn't have sheldon day you didn't have jaron jones you i mean there was you didn't have drew tranquil i mean you had so many of your best players were out that game because they were so beat up by that point time in the year and then the the other one was alabama 2020 now i thought notre dame should have been more competitive but bama clearly had the better team that day and they had the better team going in it's kind of funny, Ryan. I, I was looking up my game predictions for that game. And so I kind of had some fun with it, looking at the, the the Rose Bowl in 2020. And and so what I did was is I made two game predictions for that game. Mm-hmm. And I thought about I thought about doing it for this one too, but I decided not to. But my game prediction for that game, uh, I, I did two. I did a heart prediction and a head prediction. And my heart prediction was 37-34 Notre Dame. But my analysis prediction, my real prediction was 47-20. So mm-hmm. Notre Dame actually finished a little closer, but it's because, as I said, Alabama called the dogs off. Like it was, my point is, it was clear going into that game that Alabama was significantly better than Notre Dame that season. Notre Dame also had some injuries. You didn't have Braden Lindsay, you didn't have Kevin Austin, you had a lot of other issues going on. 
And and so, but all these other games, Clemson, the ACC title game, that was not a game where Notre Dame was the inferior team. I, I'm sorry, it wasn't. They had the inferior quarterback, but Notre Dame also moved the ball up and down the field early on Clemson. I don't feel that they had the inferior teams to Georgia either year. Now, could you argue Georgia was a little bit better? Yes, but they weren't inferior, meaning they didn't belong on that field. Right. And so to me, I feel the same way about this game. Now, the thing we have to learn is, has the coaching and the the health of the program mentally, emotionally, spiritually, culturally, technically, physically changed enough to where you can now go out and say, hey, we're going to play to our potential and go out there and, and win this thing. That is that is what we're going to find out about this football team tomorrow night. I, I'm very interested too, Brian, just from like the jump, from like the first kickoff, quick return, whatever it is, from the first snap to see how this team carries itself. Like, that's what I'm really interested with. Because, like, yeah, we saw Coach Freeman as the head coach against Oklahoma State. But, like, I don't think that's a real barometer for what this team is going to look like from a emotional game day perspective, right? Like, I don't believe that. I <laughs> Can I just say something real quick? Of course, yes. I hope that we see this team come out in the first half like that team came out. <laughs> well, yes, <right>? yes. <laughs> I, but I'm just but so, you're, you're you're correct. I just always kind yeah. of chuckle. Like you're absolutely right, but I'm just like, but can we take a little bit from that game? <laughs> here? Can, like, can we take the first half, all, you know, from that game? Hey, man, and bring if it. If, if they're up, uh, what was it, twenty eight fourteen at halftime? I'll be, yeah, I'll be, twenty. I'll tell you this: if they're up twenty eight yeah. seven right before halftime, I don't think they're going to have the same mistakes that they made in that game. Correct. Right. I mean, that that, that was yeah. the one good thing about that game is although it was like it was a meltdown and it wasn't what you wanted, obviously, in the first game. But it could be a learning measure measurement, right? Like it could be a learning experience for the staff and the and the players associated that were part of that game to know like this is what we can't do, right? Like yeah. when we're up, we we need to learn from our mistakes in that situation. Right. So I think it can be a positive if if it's used correctly. But I mean, more than anything, man, like I'm just is this team going to be super loose before this game, right? Like, are they going right. to be fired up, running around, acting like they've been there before? Are they going to be a little tight? Like, I'm going to assume it's the former just because that's just kind of the the vibe that we get just from practices and the Oklahoma State game and how Coach Freeman carries himself overall. But I am just looking so forward to just seeing the pregame atmosphere. Like, that's really what I – because I, I think that that's going to matter, you know? Like, because we've talked about it a bunch – there have been in those big games in recent years, seems like the teams are always a little tight going into those, right? Like they're a little bit like animated and not like really letting it hang out, letting it loose type of thing. So I'm excited to see what just what kind of what the atmosphere is for Notre right. Dame heading into that first kickoff, because I, I have to think that they're going to be pumped up and electric, man, because yeah. like they, they need it. I mean, cause that could be the separator, Brian. I mean, it could be right. the separator. I mean, they've, they've obviously been honing the finer points of, coaching and playing and being a part of a scheme and doing all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, man, if we think that there is some back and forth as far as Ohio state stronger at this position, Notre Dame stronger at this position, there is some jockeying of talent. So a main separator could be like, who is the team that is the most loose and ready right. to just kind of get it going, man. And like, right. I'm, I'm just really excited to see the, the energy around this program on Saturday. Tomorrow, Agree. tomorrow Agree. is Saturday. I, know, right? I can't wild. believe it. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, it took a while to get here, but it is now here. You know what, Ryan? I'm just, I'm just looking forward. Here's, here's where this all boils down to. 
and somebody in the chat said it, and I was waiting to say it, and they said it. So I love when great minds think alike. And and here's here's uh, here's it's the history expert expert said we can learn while winning, and and to me that's exactly where we're coming from. Like, and that's that's what I love about the program that Alabama has built, where Nick Saban gets more pissed off in interviews after wins than he tends to after losses. Now they don't have a lot of losses, and some of the times after losses he gets pretty fired up, uh, mm-hmm. but you know. For me, Ryan, I look at it and I say, when does learning get to the point where it's it's there's no more moral victories? You actually have victories that you can then say, hey, you know what? Like we 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 had a great win today, but we know we got to get better. You know, if we want to keep winning, if we want to beat North Carolina and BYU and Clemson and USC week after week after week after week, we got to get better here. We got to get better there. You know, we got this one done, but, right. you know, we got to go make those changes. And then, of course, both of these staffs completely look overhauled from where they were a year ago. Obviously, Ohio State has the one constant at the very top, but these are also two very new look, look coaching staffs, Ryan. And so that's now it's about, okay, which which of the changes ends up having the biggest impact? You know, can can the new coaching staff hires with Tommy with uh, Tommy Reese now having Harry Heastan and Dela McCullough and Chancey Stuckey and Jared Parker – you know, have a similar or better impact than Jim Knowles and Tim Walton. And I'm for the life of me, cannot remember their other DB coach's name. I apologize and mean no disrespect. It's just slipping my mind right now of who their other new hire was. But, you know, they've overhauled that staff. They've got a new O-line coach in. Notre Dame has a new D coordinator. Those are going to be an interesting aspect to this as well, Ryan, because I want to see kind of, um, you know, so, so that's, um, you know, that's kind of where, I see it is something I'm really excited about to see how to see how this develops. Yeah. Right. And, and to see who has, which of the moves ends up working out the best in this particular game. That's going to make this really, really, really fun. And, and it's, it's weird to evaluate sometimes in my opinion, because sometimes hires are more, long-term based than they are short-term based, right? Like just because, so if no, if like, let's say whatever side wins tomorrow night, it could be the simple fact that a, a coach was hired and put into a position where they were in a better position to, to succeed early, right? Like that doesn't necessarily mean that they were the best hire long-term. So I, again, it's a long-term versus short-term thing, but regardless, man, this is a great opportunity for Notre Dame. It's a great opportunity for Ohio state. It is a big game. And I, I kind of love that this is the first game of the season, Brian. If I'm being completely honest, man, like I, I want to know what this team sure. is to a large degree. Sure. You know, like I want to know where they are because there's a lot that you can take out of a win. There's a lot you can take out of a loss. I think that there's just going to be some general understanding because I'll be completely honest about this. And I've talked about this. There's a lot of projection to this team. I think they can be really good, but it's also they're right. slightly and uh, uh, they're a slight enigma to a degree, right? Because sure. it's like there's a little bit of volatility to how good they can be or how just good they could be. I mean, there is a, there is a little bit of a chasm, in my opinion. Could this team maybe be a team that is set up better to, hey, we have a nice 2022 season, but 2023 is the year. Like, there's a lot of question marks as far as when is the peak and, and how good this team could be early on versus the end of the season. And, you know, the, some positions have wild cards to a degree, you know, a couple wide receivers and secondary, and there's a lot of things to figure out. But I think that the great thing is that we're going to have an answer to quite a few questions after the end, after the, the, uh, after the final whistle tomorrow night. So it's going to be very interesting to see. I think the thing that I guess kind of front has frustrated me all off season, Ryan, is kind of what you said about Notre Dame is not inaccurate. 
We don't yeah. really know what this team is going to be. My yeah. frustration is, is why is everyone acting like we do know what Ohio State is going to be? Like, why is there the assumption that their defense is all of a sudden going to stop being terrible, which, let's be honest, it was a lot last year. And Notre Dame's offense or defense isn't going to make jumps with their new coaches. Why is there an assumption that Justin Fry is going to fix the Ohio State offensive line, but Al Golden and other things aren't going to, you know, make Notre Dame secondary better, right? And those, I guess, are my frustrations is it just seems like there's an inconsistency there. But again, that just kind of goes through – and points to the whole thing of what we're talking about. The assumption is because Ohio State has won these games and Notre Dame has not. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately where it comes from. And, and we talked about this. I wrote an article about this earlier this week, Ryan. Notre Dame is a 17.5-point underdog. And I say this figuratively, not literally. I understand why they are literally a 17.5-point underdog. It's about betting. It's about trying to create as many people betting on both sides because if you're Vegas and everybody's betting Ohio State and Notre Dame wins, you are golden. But if Ohio State wins, then you're kind of, you know, it's not as good of a weekend for you. And so you do want to try to create the betting on both sides. What I mean more is like figuratively from a perception standpoint of why everyone is still betting on Ohio State, despite the fact it was a 14 and a half point spread, because you earned that as Notre Dame because of what you did or didn't do, I should say. If you want to change it, change it. And we've been here before, right? And and Georgia is very similar. 2019, Notre Dame was a 16-point underdog going into Athens in 2019. And they had a moral victory. You know, yeah. lost by six and got the ball at midfield with two minutes left, basically, and couldn't get it done, but you battled and you earned Georgia's respect. I'm sick of earning people's respects respect by not getting blown out, right? Like, this is freaking Notre Dame. Like, Notre Dame should not be getting moral victories because they didn't get blown out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Notre Dame shouldn't have a head coach saying, hey, we only lost by 27 to Clemson, but Alabama lost by 28. Hey, we only lost by 17 to Alabama, but Ohio State lost by, what was it, 28? You know, th- uh, was it 28? Something like that. Like that. This yeah. is freaking Notre Dame, dude. You don't brag about almost winning or or not losing by as much as people thought. I want when Marcus Freeman has arrived, the moment he's arrived is when people look at these games and say, of course, Notre Dame's going to win this game because that's what they've done. Of course, Notre Dame's going to be a a six point favorite over Clemson. Did you see what they did to Ohio State? Right. Mm -hmm. That's when you know your program has arrived. And honestly, if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty of why I got sick of Brian Kelly the last few years, it's that right there. I got sick of a coach who basically took pride in not losing by as much as other teams lost to the team that won a championship. I got sick of Brian Kelly trying to say, hey, look, nobody gave us a shot against Georgia, and we only lost by six. You know what I mean? I want to see a coach, and I want to see a program that goes out there and says, you don't want to respect us? I guarantee you over the next three hours, you will earn, we will, you will learn to respect us. And if you don't, it's going to be a really – you're going to have a lot of explaining to do at your press conference after this game because we're going to take it to you. That's where this program needs to get to. And I don't know if they're there yet. We're going to find out tomorrow. But that's when we'll know that Marcus Freeman has arrived. When we start talking about th- – we're not having this 17.5-point underdog conversation anymore. You know, yeah. it's it's like, no, you, 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 you Notre Dame's got a shot to win this sucker because right. they've got the talent, they've got the coaching, and they're back to being what a Notre Dame, t- Notre Dame team is supposed to be. I cannot promise you that Notre Dame will be the fastest team on the field Saturday night. I can't promise you that. Does Notre Dame have better speed than people think? Yes. 
can I guarantee that they're faster than Ohio State top to bottom? No, I can't guarantee that. In spots they are, in spots they aren't. But here's what I sh- here's what I should be able to guarantee. Should be able to, and we don't know. There's no question about this one thing. They will be the most physical team on the field on Saturday night. We used to at least be able to promise you that. Yep. Win, lose, or draw, you used to at least be able to promise that. That's been gone. That's gone too. That's those are the things that I want to come back to. Is where, hey, you know what? You may end up beating Notre Dame. This is how I wasn't this is the era I grew up in, right? And I makes me sad you couldn't experience this firsthand. You may beat Notre Dame, but you're limping away from that fight. You're gonna have a black eye, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's where I want to get to. But then also, even beyond that, where no, I'm sorry, you're not winning against Notre Dame. I grew up in an era when Miami won three titles in five years, and the two years they didn't win a title were years Notre Dame beat them. That's where I want to get back to, where they're beating that team. They bring in the Florida State, who was the premier team in the early 90s outside of Miami. Bama was had a couple good years, too, and you beat them. And not only do you beat them, you beat them from start to finish. Mm-hmm. You outplay them from start to finish. You go to the Sugar Bowl, and you play Florida, and everybody's dismissing you, and you curb stomp them in the fourth quarter because you are the more physical team. You play number one Colorado in the Orange Bowl after you lost to Miami at the end of the season and you beat them convincingly beat them because you're the more physical football team. You're the better coach football team. That's where Notre Dame needs to get back to Brian Kelly had no desire to get him back there. He thought Notre Dame kept him from getting there. I think Notre Dame or Brian Kelly kept Notre Dame from getting there. Marcus Freeman's job is to show which one was right. And Mm -hmm. step one to that is Saturday night. So that's my thoughts on the game. I don't know if, if you have a response to that before we go to predictions. I All I want to say is that I I want to know what it's like to for for my fandom for one of these games to be a victory, Brian. That's mm-hmm. a starting point, right? That's a starting point. Can you imagine being the team? And I know you can imagine it because it was at one point that this was a fact for Notre Dame in your lifetime where Notre Dame goes to a game against a top 10 team, a 10-win team, and – Oh man, you kept it within 27. Wow, must be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the best game we played all season. Right. Yeah, okay. I yes, I just want I want competition. And we've heard that so often from Marcus Freeman all off season. I don't want there to be a second during the game tomorrow where you have to question if Notre Dame was good enough to compete with that team, right? Good enough to win is a completely different conversation, but I don't want this to be a situation where the talent deficit is just so stark that you're just like, Notre Dame doesn't have to be on the field. I want to see right. a, a, I want to see proof that Notre Dame is closer than maybe a lot of people think they are. And right. that starts tomorrow. It's a or big indicator. Or that they're there. <laughs> or that they're there. Right. Sure. Yeah, right. well, hey, in order to get there, though, you need to prove some first steps, right? right? <laughs> right. It, it, it might be the time. So got to see it, man. Got to see it. It's a show me business at the end of the day, and I, I hope that Notre Dame is able to show it tomorrow night. So, Ryan, we got some super chats coming in. We will get to those here in a little bit, but it is uh, it is prediction time, and that's that's this is what makes this fun. Now, our predictions are, you have to understand, Ryan and I both kind of come from a playing and coaching background. And I've tried to explain this to people before, but our channel has grown a lot since last year. We're over twice as big as we were last year. So I want to understand – I want people to understand where I'm coming from. We don't make uh, picks based off our fandom. We don't make picks based off our emotions. We don't make picks based on – we don't want to go against the grain of what everybody's saying, so let's go along with the flow. 
we look at this as from a coaching standpoint. And obviously we covered Notre Dame. And so we are looking at it from a Notre Dame standpoint. And I just, I've tried, but I cannot disassociate myself from the ability to look at this as a coach and say, if I'm coaching, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, we're going to win this game. That's just how I look at it. So prepare yourself from that regard. And, and that's just, that's how I've always looked at games. I, I there's, there's never been a game, even when we went and played Mountain Union, there's never been a game that I went into that game saying, okay, we're, we're, we're going to win this game. Right. I mean, you always feel like you've prepared yourself and you look at if this happens, if this happens, if this happens. And so that's kind of where we're coming from. But, you know, I, I kind of went into this prediction, Ryan, and, and I said to myself, you know, look, I'm just going to go with my heart on this one. That's kind of what I said was like all summer. I just, I'm going to go with, go with my heart on this one and, and have some fun with it. But honestly, the more I break the game down statistically, schematically, personnel wise, what was lost, what's coming back, who's stepping into certain spots, who I think is going to make a jump from both on both teams. I really, it really to me comes down to looking at past trends. It really comes down to my pick, I believe, is one that I can base off of matchups and scheme and players and those type of things. And my prediction for is for this game is Notre Dame 34, Ohio State 26. Basically, how I see it going down is both teams score six times. The difference in the game is Notre Dame has four touchdowns and two field goals. Ohio State has two touchdowns and four field goals. That's how I see it. I think Ohio State has been a team over the years that has not really come out of the gate great at home for whatever reason. I think part of it is they are such a pass-heavy offense Mm -hmm. that that can kind of take some time to get going compared to a team that just comes out and runs it and can run it down your throat. In the years that Ohio State did come out well early – they were years where they were a really strong running team. Now, maybe this team is that, uh, but, you know, we'll have to find that out. But I have it to me, Ryan, I think the Notre Dame defense is going to be able to make enough stops in the red zone to force field goals in those condensed field situations. And I think the opposite is true on the other side. I think Notre Dame's going to punch it in. And I think Notre Dame's going to start off really fast and, and then have to hold on. I do think that's how the game is going to play out. And, and, when I look at it, I kind of see it, you know, Ohio State scores to make it 31-26. Notre Dame kind of goes on a long, time-consuming drive at the end of the game, kicks a field goal to go up eight, and then Ohio State doesn't have enough time to kind of get get another one in there. So that's how I see the game playing out for me, Ryan. So before mm-hmm. we kind of predict game balls, that's how I see this one playing out. What is your prediction and how do you see the game playing out? Brian, I, we see this game pretty similarly, I think. I mean, I was just looking at my score prediction that was in the piece that you posted today about the game prediction, and my, my last two sentences are word for word. Notre Dame got off to a fast start before Ohio State mounted a comeback in the fourth quarter. The Irish are able to hold them off at the end and escape the opener with a tremendous victory. So I also agree. I think Notre Dame has the chance, and they have to, and we talked about this yesterday, get off to a fast start. I think they have to, and I think they do that by coming out and being so much more physical than they were last year. If there's one thing about Notre Dame that I believe this year, it's that they are going to be a much more physically impressive football team just from a play style perspective. I expect the offensive line, the the significance of the run game and implementation of the run game, I think that Notre Dame is going to come out and they're going to punch them in the face a little bit, you know? And I know Ohio State eventually is going to punch back, mm-hmm. which is why I kind of said, like, they're going to mount to – a little bit of a comfort, a comeback here. They're going to get back to this football game because, again, Ohio State's a really good team, right? Oh, and yeah. We've been talking about this all all week. 
this is not going to be a one-sided affair, in my opinion. I would be surprised I'd be shocked. if either, either way, team, either yeah, way, hundred percent. Right. No matter who wins this football game, I would be very surprised if it was just like a rollover. I right. would just, I would be very, very surprised in that fact. So I had Notre Dame thirty-four, Ohio State thirty-one. I talked on the show yesterday, the day before that. I think thirty-one is kind of the number for Ohio State. If you have thirty-one or less, I feel good about Notre Dame's chances. If it starts getting into the mid-high thirties or into the forties. I think that Notre Dame doesn't have much of a chance in that type of affair. So I think Notre Dame comes out strong, they come out fast, and they're able to hold off the Buckeyes for a three-point victory at the end. That's how I see it. Now, here's the other prediction I have, Ryan, and I'm I'm not sure. I think you said the same thing. But here's one thing that I'm I'm more confident in my next prediction than I am in the score of this game. I'm not going to lie. I'm not super confident in the prediction of this game. I'm not. Why? Because Ohio State's really good you're going on the road against the number two team in the country i personally would not have ohio state number two i would have them number three it ain't a big difference uh, you right. know my stance ryan georgia's number one until somebody beats them they, they just mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. i think alabama has more coming back on both sides of the ball and they were better than ohio state last year so they're coming from a better starting point and i actually think nick sabinson made some really good moves this offseason with some guys that left i think the o-line hire is going to be huge for them this year. I'm yes. just a believer that that you know you're the champ until somebody beats you. I said the same thing about LSU in 2020. I say the same thing about Georgia now. Now LSU obviously proved to not be the champ pretty quickly early that season, but that's just how I feel, right? So this is a really darn good football team, really darn good football team in Ohio State. It's just when I look at it, I think Notre Dame matches up really well with them. And if we're and if if you're an Ohio State fan and you're being objective, you can look at our uh, prediction and say, I think you guys are wrong, and Ohio State's going to win this game. Totally fine. But if you don't understand why we came to this, then I don't think that you really have a, a legitimate understanding of who your football team is and some of the own questions that you have to figure out. Now, part of our prediction is projecting that Notre Dame will improve in areas because if – we're banking on Notre Dame running the football. Well, if you watched Notre Dame last year, they weren't really good at running the football. So there's projection on both sides. Fair. It's just when I look at the areas that, that, that Notre Dame has to get better in, I'm more confident that they're going to be able to make a quicker adjustment than some of the areas that Ohio State has to make improvements in, which leads me to my big prediction. Okay. The loser of this game does not lose another regular season game. The loser of this game will run the table. And it does not matter who it is. Because I think, I actually think Ohio State fans are not going to like this. I actually think getting smacked in the mouth a little bit in the opener is going to be really good for Ohio State. And if I'm being honest, if my if my prediction is correct that both of these teams are going to run the table, I kind of almost want Notre Dame to not win this game. Bear with me here. Because if, they, if Notre Dame runs the table and Ohio State beats Notre Dame, I don't see Ohio State losing – but one game all year, if that, they could easily go 13-0. and Because I think Notre Dame's the only team that, and especially after watching Penn State last night, Penn State's not beating Ohio State. So I, I, you know my stance on rematches, Ryan. I think it's hard to win a rematch. And so if I have this belief that Notre Dame-Ohio State are really going to roll the rest of the way, I kind of want to be the team that's got something to prove in the rematch. But, you know, that that actually made me think a little bit about picking Ohio State in this game, but I just really feel like the the, the trench play, I think, is going to favor Notre Dame. I think that the other aspect of it, too, is I think there's – Notre Dame knows a lot more about Ohio State than Ohio State knows about Notre Dame. 
no matter what you think, you know what Ohio State's offense is going to look like, and you just studied 12 games in preparation for a bowl game of what Jim Knowles is going to do. Now, is there a change in how that's going to look under the current personnel? Yes, but this is the second time this Notre Dame coaching staff has had to prepare for, for and Tommy Reese especially, has had to prepare for a Jim Knowles team. Actually, uh, first time Tommy Reese has done it. But Notre Dame also had to prepare for Duke in the past. You know, so when he was the D coordinator at at, uh, at Duke. So they're going to know a lot about Jim Knowles. I don't know what the heck Al Golden is going to do defensively. No, right. Nobody does, right? right? And and so to me, I don't know what Tommy Reese's offense is necessarily going to look like with this current coaching staff because he has run two distinctly different offenses the last two years out of necessity. They didn't have weapons in the past game in 2020, mainly a quarterback. Last year they had a quarterback, but they didn't know – they didn't have the offensive line. So we're projecting a lot of things, and that's another thing that factored into this decision for me, Ryan. It's you know, you know what gives me the most hope, I think, Brian, or the most uh the reasoning for why I kind of feel the way I do. It's because, like you just mentioned, right? There's new coaches on both sides of both sides of the coin here. One person, though, that we know very well is Harry Heastand. He's right. one guy that we've literally, it's not that he's done this at other places. He's coming in here to put his touch on the program. He's literally done this at Notre Dame before, right? Like he's literally come in and improved trench play almost immediately. While on the other side, again, Jim Knowles. I love Jim Knowles, man. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. But the fact of the matter is, is that his track record tells you there's an adjustment period there, right? Harry Heastands right. doesn't say that. Harry Heastands says the minute that he takes over a right. team, the Ohio, the offensive line is going to be better. And if they're better than they were last year, then I think, well, I know they're going to be better than they were last year. If they're significantly better than they were last year, then I think they have a chance to win the trenches on both sides of the football. Mm-hmm. I do. I do. And I know people, PFF graded Ohio State as the number one offensive <laughs> line in, in college football. Sure. Sure, guys. I, I'll say this, though. I've watched quite a bit of Ohio State's offensive line last year. Yeah. I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it right now. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're way better. Justin Fry, I like, is an offensive line coach for sure. But we'll see. We'll see about how that kind of winds uh, up. But I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say this, Ryan. Yeah. This is part of this is part of the the, the issue for me in in evaluating this game is there's a different conversation for me for what Ohio State is going to be and what Ohio State is going to be on September third. And, and and this is my whole thing is is with Harry. There's kids that on this roster that Harry has coached. There's coaches that have coached with Harry before, and there's several guys in the on the, in the lineup that Harry recruited as well. I mean, he recruited Andrew Kristoffic. He recruited Zeke Carell. He recruited Josh Lug. There's a little bit of a difference there, you know. And so, you know, for me, when I when I look at this too, is I think Ohio State offensive line wise should not be the number one offensive line in the country right now on PFF. I would argue that Notre Dame also shouldn't be number two because both of them have a lot to prove. I mean, if I mean, look, Michigan's got three guys coming back and they got in this center from transfer. They're the defending Joe Moore award winner. I can't justify having Notre Dame and Ohio state ahead of them. I can't right now. You know, it's just that I think Notre Dame is going to get to that point faster than Ohio State will. But I do think by the end of the year, we are going to see that because I do like Ohio. I think I like their town a little bit more than you do. I like Donovan Jackson quite a bit coming out of high school. I think he's a a guard, not a tackle. 
Uh, so I like that move. I never thought he was a tackle coming out of high school. I think he's a better guard. I think Luke Whipler is exactly what you'd expect from an undersized kid from New Jersey to be. I think Matthew Jones is a tough tryhard kid. He's not as athletic as some of the guys they've had. He's not as maybe physically gifted as some of the other players they've had. Mm-hmm. Man, you, you made a good point in your breakdown of him. That kid plays hard. Play and hard. so I think yep. he's going to bring some toughness that I think at times last year they just did not have. And and having them consistently in the lineup instead of coming in and out like he did last year, uh, you know, I just I don't think I, I don't think that that's where they're going to be. So I do think by the end of the year, Ohio State's going to be a top five offensive line. I don't think they're going to be better than Notre Dame's, but I do think they're going to be a top five offensive line. I'm just not necessarily buying it in game one, right? Be, be, and also partly because I do think again the pat the, there's a reason why the pass game takes longer to develop than the run game. Because it requires so many more moving parts, literally. That includes pass protection, right? And so I think that's another area that I think where where when you look at this, Notre Dame is going to have an opportunity to kind of instill their enforce their will on them. And mm-hmm. Ohio State fans get real upset about this, but look, look at the games you lost last year. Look at the games that were competitive last year. They were games the other team came in and punched you in the mouth. And so they've got to prove that they can play well in those type of games as well. And let's be honest, Ohio State has not done that a whole lot the last few years. Even Clemson, that was the knock we had on Clemson in 2020. This is not the Clemson teams of the past. This is Trevor Lawrence and a bunch of eh, which is why you and I both predicted Clemson's descent last year. Because we knew that Trevor Lawrence covered a lot of warts that existed on that team. This wasn't the 2018 Clemson team, which is why Notre Dame beat them. Because if it would have been the 2018 Clemson team, Notre Dame doesn't beat them in 2020. And so I just think that they've got some things they got to work out, just like Notre Dame's got some things they got to work out. And and I I'm not ready to give them the benefit of the doubt that everybody else seems to be willing to give them, because they have to me as many warts as Notre Dame does. I just think Notre Dame matches up better against Ohio State than maybe some other than they might against some other teams. For example, like I think they match up better against Ohio State than they do Georgia. Right now. Because of Notre Dame's unprovenness on the perimeter, I just think that a team that's really good in the trenches, like I'd expect Georgia to be, would be a better matchup for them. I just think Notre Dame's going to have a chance to go out there and and dominate in the trenches, and they're going to, I think, surprise some people with the speed that they have on offense. I think that's going to be the biggest surprise for me on this football team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, and you you kind of reiterated a lot of and kind of expanded on it, Brian. My biggest thing is that I think, especially the Harry Heastan hire, I think that there is a easier 
projection for early success with a couple of Notre Dame hires comparative to the Ohio State hires. Again, I would not want to play Ohio State at the end of the season because if they get the offensive line figured out, if they get the defense starting to trend in the right direction, then they are – I mean, any team in the country is going to have a tough time beating them. Like, not just Notre Dame. Like, Alabama and the best of the best are going to have a tough time beating an Ohio State team if the offensive line is improved and their defense is up up to snuff, right? Like, and there is talent. There is. Ohio State could get better. I just personally think that it's a little more likely that a Harry Heastan coached offensive line is better in game one than a Justin Fry coached offensive line. That's- but here, here's the thing that, that frustrates me with some of these comments is, is if you're there's a lack of objectivity here, I believe. And the lack of objectivity is you're assuming that Ohio State's going to make Im- improvements that Notre Dame is not, but what you're not acknowledging is that the baseline for Notre Dame is higher on defense than it is for Ohio State. The baseline on the offensive line, in my opinion, is higher than it is for Ohio State. And and then it comes down to what I said before, the knowns versus the unknowns. Mm -hmm. That's the point. And so there's this – like somebody – one of the Notre Dame fans, you've said this, like, you know, Notre Dame's got to prove to me they can win these games. Fair, very fair. We talked about that like 30 minutes at the beginning. But here's the difference. The conversation was – I think this Notre Dame team is good, but they just have too many unknowns. And I'm thinking, with all due respect, there's more unknowns on Ohio State's roster right now than there are on Notre Dame's. Mm-hmm. You know, again, there's an assumption, well, we don't know what Notre Dame is going to be a wide receiver. Yeah, we kind of do more so, I think, that than Ohio State because Notre Dame does have a star pass catcher, just like Ohio State has a star pass catcher. His name is Michael Mayer. Lorenzo Styles caught more passes last year than Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka combined. Right? I mean, that's the fact. That's a fact. Now, and yet, well, and yet, they and were yet. playing behind. We know why it happened. Sure. The point is, is it happened? And so, you know, you look at the secondary. Denzel Burke is a good player. He was not better than Cam Hart last year. He was not. Cam Brown was not better than Cam Hart last year. We know who Brandon Joseph is. You think Ryan thinks that Josh Proctor is going to be a good player. He hasn't shown it yet. He was okay in 2020 and he was hurt last year. So you think the linebackers are going to get better. We don't know. As bad as Notre Dame's linebackers were last year, they were still better than Ohio State's. I mean, that's the reality of it. So that's where you kind of come down to it and say, this is why we predict what we predict. It may not happen. If I, it may, but this is where we're coming from. And if you can't at least say, I think you're wrong, but I understand where you're coming from, then I don't think we're having an honest conversation. So that's basically where, where my issue comes from. Yeah. Yep. And, and again, it's, it's, I mean, it's just another, you, you talked about Emeka Buka and Marvin Harrison sure. Jr. Incredibly talented Everyone, player. Incredibly talented. I'm sure that they're both going to be really good football players, but why are we assuming that they're the next coming and Lorenzo Styles can't be the ne- next guy, right? Like why, why, I just don't understand why that assumption is made. And I, I, I understand, well, I do understand why, because Ohio State has done better at, at that's the proven talent. track record I get part. That. Yep. I, I get exactly. Because look at Jackson last year. Jackson had like 10 catches for like 40, like 80 yards as a freshman in 2020. Yeah. And then boom, breaks out and does what he does. So in sure. our thing, Ryan, and I think we're on the same page here, it's not that we're saying that Marvin Harrison and Emeka aren't going to be really good this year. They are. It's the opposite of you are assuming that Lorenzo Styles is not. And that's the difference. You know, <laughs> It's like the people say, well, your quarterback's never played before. 
Did you watch your quarterback last year, Ohio State? Tyler Buckner, how many yards did he have passing last year? 286, is that what it was? I'm trying to find it here real quick. I think it was 286. Let me just find it here. I got it right here. Find it really quickly. Tyler Buckner had, let's see, last year passing the football. He had, in 2021, Tyler had 298 passing yards last year. That's 298 more passing yards than C.J. Stroud had in in his coming into his first year as a starter, right? So again, it's if you're gonna if you're gonna use something against Notre Dame, at least do it consistently with your own team and don't act like, hey, if you're gonna say, well, Tyler Buckner hasn't proven it, but our unproven players are gonna come out and be great, you're not having an honest conversation, and that's this is what our channel's about. You can disagree. We may be wrong. We're not perfect or infallible, but at least make a coherent, consistent argument. Don't say that Notre Dame can't win because they have unproven players and Ohio State is going to win because of their unproven players. And that's pretty much what we've seen. I think this is going to be a great game. I think that Ohio State by the end of the year, I think Ohio State by the end of September is going to be a tremendous team, to be completely honest with you. I just know what they're installing. Basically, here's what it comes down to. The change that they're making now is the one Notre Dame made a year ago. And if you remember, Notre Dame went to a really complex, diverse, multiple defense last year, going from Carkley, whose defense was pretty much just like, here's where you line up and here's what you do. And it was a pretty, I don't say it was simplistic because it wasn't, there were some complexities to it, but you know, alignment assignment wise, Ryan Carkley's defense wasn't super, super complex. And then you went to one, you're a 3 3 one, uh, 3 3 5 on one snap. You're a 4 2 on another snap. You're moving here, you're moving there. And guess what happened? You gave up a lot of big plays early in the season to not very good football teams. Th- then by the end of the year, that Notre Dame defense was playing really well until the bowl game when the defensive coordinator was no longer the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what I think Ohio State's going to go through, in my opinion. And, and it's going to take some time. Once they get there, they're going to be fine. But in the opener, I believe it's going to create some problems because we've seen this before. We saw it with Notre Dame last year. We've seen it in past years. It takes some time for teams to really get rolling when you're putting in the kind of complex system that Jim Knowles is putting in. I think he needs to put it in. It's what Ohio State needs to do to be successful. It's Mm -hmm. just going to take a little bit of time to get there. I mean, you know, like let's not forget, I mean, as good as Jeff Halfley was, you know, in his one year there, it, it it takes time. It takes time to get those things going. You're not playing Florida Atlantic in the opener. You're not playing Cincinnati and Indiana and Miami to start your season. You're playing Notre Dame first, right? And so I remember watching that Florida Atlantic game thinking, boy, if that quarterback for Florida Atlantic could complete a freaking pass, they, they've had a couple guys open. If you remember that, I don't know if you remember that game. They scored 21 points, but I, I, if I remember correctly, they weren't like really offensive points because only like 200 some yards of offense. But I just remember thinking like, boy, there's chances to be there because you're making that kind of change. Notre Dame is not making the big schematic changes that Ohio State is making. And those take time. And that's kind of the point that we're coming from. And and it's a great point because, I mean, also the simple fact of you have Marcus Freeman that's still on the staff, right? I mean, like that's the biggest thing for me. It's like I know because I know some people push back and say, you're also changing a defensive coordinator to kind of your talking point there. Right. But it's also, yes, but the person that implemented the, the defense last year is still on the staff. So there's still going to be kind of conversation and ability to col- collaborate on that, on that regard. Jim Knowles is 
start from scratch. I mean, he's putting in a system. He's getting players used to it. I mean, and there's going to be, I think there's going to be a transitional period there. I think that's, it's more likely that there is a bigger transitional period from Ohio State early on in the season defensively than there will be with Notre Dame. That's just, mm-hmm. just all I believe. It's just why I believe it. So, so same thing with Justin Fry versus Harry right. Houston. It's the same exact thing. That's going to end up being the best hire that that Ryan Day made, in my opinion. When it's all said and done, I think Justin Fry – everybody's talking about Jim Knowles now. I think when it's, an all, when it's all said and done, it's going to be Justin Fry is going to be the hire that people are going to be talking about at the end of the year. I do. And, and Ryan, you know, we've, we've, we've known about Justin Fry for a long time. Yeah. Because we learned about him when, when Harry Heastan left the first time, as we said this week, Justin Fry was one of the finalists for that job. And he was one of a couple guys that the Notre Dame players liked more than the guy that they hired. He ended up going to UCLA and, and we saw the job he did there. So I, I know Jim Knowles gets it. Yeah. And I think Jim Knowles is a defensive court, good defensive coordinator. I think you are a little higher on him than, than I am. I think a little bit, but we both think he's a good defensive coordinator. Sure. I think Justin Fry is a really good offensive line coach. I just think it's going to take him a little bit, uh, just some time to get that thing going. But I, I think by the end of the year, by November, I'll say this, by the time they play Michigan, the hire that everyone is going to be talking about is going to be Justin Fry. That That's my prediction for this team. I think that was – because the thing I like about Justin Fry is – his thing is he's a guy that believes in physicality. He's an old school, even though he's young, he's an old school line coach because he learned under Steve Adazi. I mean, I mean, I was told when he interviewed him, they were still using boards. Like he was, his drills were still using boards. Like I didn't know anybody still use boards, right? Like that's how old school he was, even though he's a young guy. But it's a lot like Harry's philosophy of pad level, drive your feet, use your hands, finish, finish be physical. And Ohio State's offensive line, honestly, has been missing that for years. Even when they had J.K. Dobbins and, you know, like some of the, the really good backs in recent years, Trayvon Henderson last year, they their run game was more about scheme and talent than it was about just dominating people. Now, it was it the was it the 19 line or the 20 line that ran really well because they had big guys who could just move people, but they 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 were moving people that just weren't that good. Was it 2019? Is, is, is that the year? Was that the year JK had 2000? Yeah, it was 2019. It was JK's last year. JK Dobbins last year. Like they had yeah. Josh Myers, they had Wyatt Davis. You and I were talking about this yesterday. Yeah, it was and, a physical line. Right. And so they, but they had big guys. I, I don't think they were necessarily physical from a style of play standpoint. They were physical just because they were big. They were huge. You know, yeah. and, and even then, it's like if you could put the kind of, emphasis on just toughness that that i think they needed that's where you why i say you're because what what's the one thing i've been saying all summer and put as a, people say man i wish Notre Dame had a few games to warm up before playing Ohio State. what was my automatic answer every time uh uh-uh, no you don't <laughs> no you don't you don't want this team having three games as a warm-up to get everything going just that you just don't and there's the aspect yeah. of you don't want them having three games of knowledge of what you do because as I said, I do think we're going to see more changes when it comes to more uncertainty. Uh, Jack Cohn offense is not in an Ian book offense is not going to look the same as a Tyler Buckner offense. It's just not for sure. For sure. So that's basically well, where and, I come down on it. And, and I will, I will echo your sentiment about Justin Fry. Cause I thought Fry did a tremendous job at UCLA. I really did. I think that, I mean, he's got a, he's got some talent to work with. There's no doubt. It's just, again, 
You have Paris Johnson, who's going to be starting his first game at left tackle, Brian, right? Like he's been in, inside the last two years playing football. He's made mm-hmm. his first start at on left the tackle. right side. On the, yeah, right guard. I started every game at right guard last year. You have Donovan Jackson, who I think is slated to start right guard, if I remember correctly, who is a really that talented That one I player. don't know. That he's, one I don't know. I because like, right or left. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Because like Matthew Jones has played both of them, I, I, and they, they haven't let anybody in. I was told – you're right, but I I, I don't mm-hmm. – we're guessing a little bit because I don't think sure. we know – and Ohio State doesn't release a depth chart. Right. And so, I mean, so either way, Donovan Jackson is going to be starting somewhere for the first time ever, right? Like he has not started a game at Ohio State. You have Matthew Jones, who has only started five football games in his career. He started two games last season. And, and again, I, I know I'm, I'm critical of Dewan Jones because I think Dewan Jones actually is pretty talented. And it's, if he lost like 30 pounds, like people have been saying – that's fantastic. But all I know is last year, DeJuan Jones wasn't very good. I mean, if we're being completely honest with mm-hmm. ourselves, right? So you have multiple guys that are starting at a new spot for, or, or for the first time in general in a, in a Donovan Jackson. And you had another right tackle that just wasn't very good last year. Now, if they put it all together, then sure. That's that offense line is very talented, but the mm-hmm. point is we're talking about a, a first game situation. I'm not talking about game 10, when they've had all this time or game six, when they have all this time to co- you know, have that cohesion together and do all that type of stuff. I'm talking about one game where there's a lot of moving parts and there's a, also a new system that has been put into effect. So right. that's the only reason that I feel the way I do about that situation. I long-term though, think Justin Fry is going to be fantastic for this offensive sure. line. There's a reason that I've been talking about Paris Johnson all summer about potentially being a first round pick and maybe a top 15 type of player when it's all oh. said and done, because he has, so much talent. I'm just talking about a game one difference compared yeah. to a full season perspective. So Archer says that Donovan's going to be left on the left side, which honestly is where they should put him. Put the more athletic. You know my stance on this. Put your and, more and athletic Matt, side on the left and your your yeah. more big physical side on the right. That's how I've all you know how Matt, I feel on that. Matt Jones rotated in at right guard last year too, yeah. so that's good and he for played some left too. Familiarity, right? Because yeah. I. Was it the Nebraska game? I think he actually started at left guard in place of Thayer Munford. Sounds uh, right. At least early in the game. And, you know, so that's how I would do it. Again, I think athletic on the left, physical on the right. That's how I've always felt it. That's just my – it's not a right or wrong. It's just how I like it. So Yeah. But at the end of the day, all this talk about how good of a a jump that that Ohio State's going to make with those hires, it comes down to that's where we're coming from. Um, when it comes down to Notre Dame is I, I still feel even more confident in Harry Heastan. And the fact is, is he is working with people he's worked with before. Him and Tom Reese have worked together before as player, when Tom Reese was a player, and in 2017. The last time Tommy Reese, Matt Bayless, and Harry Heastan were all on the same staff, Notre Dame won the Joe Moore Award and ran yep. for 260-plus yards per game. So that's kind of where it comes down to. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting to mention Chris Watt, too. Like, that's not a big right. addition as well. You right. know, it's a massive right. addition. Yeah. So I hope it's a good game. Well, actually, that's not true. Uh, I only hope it's a good game if Notre Dame loses. I, uh, for my, at my age and, 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 uh, you know, for, for what my heart level and anxiety can take, Ryan, I don't necessarily want it to be a close game, but I, <laughs> I would be shocked if Notre Dame spanks Ohio State. Can, can you imagine really if it surprised. came down to like a last second field goal for Blake Groupie? You would <laughs> you would be losing your mind. <laughs> hey Ryan, you guys handle the uh the post game show without me. I'm gonna be in the ER 
uh, you know, so uh, it's going to be uh, good. We've had enough of that uh, at Irish Breakdown. We'll talk a little bit about that here in, in a little bit. So, look, here's kind of where we're at, Ryan. So that's kind of our prediction for this game. If it plays out the way that we expect it to play out at the end of the game, who do you see as getting the game ball for Notre Dame? So, end of the game, your prediction comes true. Notre Dame wins 34-31. Who gets the game ball for Notre Dame? Well, I mean, I almost want to split it up to an offensive and defensive one, right? Like, the, my guy on offense was Tyler Buckner, and my guy on defense was Brandon Joseph. I'm going to give it to Tyler Buckner because he's in a big moment, and if they win this football game, I think it's going to be a lot of because they are able to strike a really nice balance offensively between the run and the pass, and I think that starts with the signal caller who has – those that ability to be a dual threat type of player. So I'm going to give it to Tyler Buckner. But again, I think defense, there's going to have to be a, a turnover or two if Notre Dame's able to come out with the victory. But I, I would I would opt to Tyler Buckner because I think the dual threat ability is going to be big for Notre Dame in this game. Yeah. I think it's going to have to be that or it's going to be somebody else that steps up with a big game, you know, some big plays. Let's say a Braden Lindsay, a Lorenzo Styles, an Audric Estime, somebody along those lines is going to be kind of could be that other person. So that's kind of how I see that one being. And, and you know, to me, honestly, I could also see it being someone on defense. You know, if, like I said, if there's a, you know, 34-26, I think both teams score six times. Notre Dame holds them to more field goals. I could see somebody, you know, a, a somebody that we're not expecting, a Treat Bracey, a Clarence Lewis, somebody like that kind of stepping up and making some big plays uh, that help Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame win this game. So that's kind of where I'm where I come down on that one. So those are our game balls, right? And that is our prediction for Notre Dame, Ohio State. Here's what we got coming up next. We're going to make predictions for the three big, the other three big games this weekend. Somebody asked me, are you guys going to predict LSU, Florida State? We have no intention to predict a game of two unranked football teams. So we will not be predicting that one uh, today, um, but uh, we can certainly chat about it on the board. So we made our predictions for Ohio State, Notre Dame. There you have it. You know we'll be back after the game, win or lose. We'll be back after the game uh, to have that conversation. And uh, we're going to make those three predictions. And then we're, we're going to do a little bit of a mailbag, Ryan, after we make our predictions and just preview of these other three big games as well. So Notre Dame 34-26 for me, Ryan, Notre Dame 34, Ohio State 31 for his prediction. And we both believe that this is going to be a great, great football game. 